We are on the bottom of Gimel Amin three B, and Reish Lakish had just challenged Rabbi Yechanan by saying that if indeed you're correct that the source, how we know that the Kayin Gadol needs to separate for seven days before Yom Kippur, is from the case of the Miluim, the inauguration that he separated for seven days, Aaron separated for seven days before the eighth day when he did the service, right? So if that was the source, so then why does the Kayin Gadol's backup not also have to separate for seven days? And we see clearly he does not have to separate for seven days, so your source must be incorrect. So Rabbi Yechon responds to Rishlakish, fourth line from the bottom, second word on the line. On my lay, he says to him, if so, Ella, Mar, Nihecha, Yalafla. Okay, yeah, oh yeah. Well, you, master, where do you learn it from? Amar, so he says, Misinai. I learned it from the story about Mahar Sinai. Now we're going to see a fascinating, fascinating topic about Har Sinai. These are very confusing Sukkim in the Torah. And indeed, there is a Machlekas, Anayim, exactly what's happening. because it's written in the Torah. By Yishkain Kavayit Hashem al Har Sinai. Right, Yishkain means to dwell, right? The Nishkan uh, comes from Shechain, right? So the the dwelling of Hashem's glory, right, ends up dwelling al Harsinai, on Harsinai. That's what it does in the Torah. Vayichasehu he'onon sheishas yamim. And the cloud covered it for six days. The Pasuk does not tell us what the cloud covered. It says it covered it. What is it? Vayikrael Moshe vayim And then Hashem calls out to Moshe on the seventh day. That's all. Now, what is this Pasuk coming to teach us? Mahdi. Let's come and see. It's written in the Torah of Yikra El Meshav Yemeshvi. He spoke to Mesha on the seventh day. My Sheshes Yamim. What are the six days beforehand? Zebene Av. This built a father. Right? Building a father means it gives us a, a paradigm to learn things from. Shechola Nichnas Bemachan Eshchina. Anybody who goes into the encampment of the Shechina, the encampment where Hashem is dwelling. Ta'an Prishas Shiva. They need to be separated from the rest of his family for six days. Okay, Rishlakish tells us, beautiful. I have the source for the Mishnah's halacha. It is not from the Maluim, right? It is from the idea that if someone is going to be entering into the Holy of Holies or in, in the in the circumstance of with Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was go, not going to the Holy of Holies in terms of the Mishkan. He was going to a place even holier. He was going to the, where the presence of God himself was, right? The Ramban famously explains that the Mishkan is basically trying to recreate the scene at Mount Sinai, right? Where Mount Sinai, we have Hashem reveal himself to the children of Israel. So the Mishkan is trying to recreate the scene. So it would make a lot of sense. It would be dovetailed beautifully. That, that's why we do the same exact thing in terms of trying to have the separation. That's what Shlach, Shlach says. We learned it out from the story about our Sinai, that Mesh Rabbeinu was covered by a cloud for six days, the separation. And Rabbi Echanan says we learned it out from the Meluim. Okay. Yomarna asks a question. It's a very strong question. Yomarna says, I don't understand. You're telling me that this is the source for the Mishnah's halacha? The Mishnah tells us seven days of separation. The Torah tells us six days of separation. How does that answer? Masnisan, the Gemara says, Masnisan, Rebbe Yehuda ben Beserahi. Indeed, the Torah only said six days, but our Mishnah is on a similar vein, but it is Rebbe Yehuda ben Beserahi. Rebbe Yehuda ben Beserahi held, the Chayash he was concerned for, turning the page now, the Tumas Beisai, that perhaps the individual will become Tame from his wife. So technically, it should be six days, as that's what the Torah teaches, but the Torah is talking about Meish Rabbeinu had already separated from his wife. Every year when Pesach is coming, now Pesach, when Yom Kippur is coming, right? So we have a concern that perhaps Tikai and Gadol would end up being together with his wife. And what would happen is his wife might have become a Nida during, while they're actually together. And that would make him impure for seven days. So if indeed he only waited to be separated six days in advance, he might become 
what is called tame nida, the impurity of having connected with a nida, with a woman who is menstruating. And then he would be impure for seven days and invalid to serve in the in the base HaMikdash. So what's the source according to Rishlakesh? The fact that Moshe Rabbein was covered by a cloud. According to me, I derived that he has to separate for seven days from the story of the, the inauguration. What happens during the, that inauguration process of the Kehanim? According to my opinion, that's why it's taught in Abraisa. The Kayan Gadol who would serve on Yom Kippur and the Kayan who would prepare the red heifer, right? The Paraduma. We sprinkle on both of them the entire seven days prior to their service, right? In their in the time that they have been separated. What do we sprinkle on them? We sprinkle on them from all the different red heifers that have been throughout Jewish history. It's not that many. I think the, the tradition teaches that the 10th red heifer will come when it is time for Mashiach to come. Okay, so we only had nine. So they would take ashes from all the different ones and they would sprinkle on each of those kahanim, whether it's the Kayin Gadol before Yom Kippur or a regular Kayin before the burning of the, the, um, the Red Heifer. The Havein Nami, the Hazah, the Maluim. So Rabbi Yechon says, listen, I derive the fact that you have to be separated for seven days from the story of what happens when the Mishkan was inaugurated and when Aaron was consecrated, right? Now, in that scenario, there was something sprinkled on Aaron. Then it makes a lot of sense that because I held that you derive these laws from uh, the story of what happens with Aaron, then over here too you have to sprinkle. But according to you who learned that it's about Meshra being going up to Harsinai, going up on Mount Sinai, being covered by a cloud, what does that do with getting sprinkled? the according to you who derive it from Sinai. Hazab Sinai was there any sprinkling that happened on Mount Sinai? Why do you think that there should be a sprinkling? Why does the halacha tell us you need to sprinkle? There's no reason to sprinkle if you learn out from Mount Sinai. So he says to him, according to your reasoning, I'm sorry, is it any better? You know what happened during the consecration of the of the Kehanim uh, and the inauguration of the Mishnah? They would sprinkle on them from the blood of the of the offerings. Okay? Now, that's blood. Over here, this is water. So Rishlakish says, you had a problem with me because I don't have a source for why they're sprinkling done. And you're, oh, you're so sitting steady because you know what the source is. After all, they sprinkled by the Maluim. Yes, they sprinkled by the Maluim, but they sprinkled with blood. And now they're sprinkling with water. Can't compare. It's apples and oranges. You're not any better off than I am. Halei Kasha, would say, that's not a question. Rabbiya said that water comes in place of the blood. All right, we're going to see a Bryce soon. And if Rebchia, who is a Tana, says that water replaces blood, so Rebchia does not have a trouble with the fact that water replaces blood for this people. But according, Rebchia presses his point. According to you, there was no sprinkling at all on Mount Sinai. According to me, there was sprinkling. It was a little bit of a different sprinkling. Okay, fine. But there's something that replaced it. No longer would we use blood. Now we use water. But at least there's a, a paradigm for using sprinkling before in the time of the preparation. According to you, why would there be any sprinkling? There's no sprinkling done by my side. Amale, Ishtakr says back to him, my love alma, the fact that they do the sprinkling, that's not actually something that's absolutely necessary. That's a good thing to do. If it was absolutely necessary, indeed I would be up the creek is what would be the source that's absolutely necessary, but it's not absolutely necessary. Tanya We'll have a brisa, right? Brulings from Tanayim. 
that are similar to Rabbi Yechina's position, and we have another brisa that is similar to Reish Lakish's position. It says in the Pasik, with this, right, in right, which is gonna be next week's Torah portion, right? That with this Aaron should go into the Kaidish, into the holy. What does Bizais mean with this? It means with that which was said about the matter. Maihi, what is this? Where was something said when it came to the Maluim? And what was said about the Maluim? Aaron Pirish Shiva. The Shimesh Yom Achad. Aaron separated from his wife for seven days, and then he did service for one day. Umaisha Masar Lekal Shiva. Umaisha Rabbeinu gave over to him the, the things that were going to be used for the Karbanas each day of the seven days to get him used to it. The day the to get him ready to do the service. And also in all future generations, the Kayin Gadol will have to separate from his wife for seven days before him Kippur. Umaisha Hamashem Achad, and then serve for one day. And there will be two students uh, who we consider to be students of Moshe. When we say students of Moshe, we don't mean that they are literally students of Moshe. We mean that they are people in the pantheon of Smicha. Okay? The halacha is that Moshe Rabbeinu gives Smicha to Yehoshua, right? We know the, the famous Mishnah in Perkeyavas, right? At the beginning of Perkeyavas, we started last week, right? Moshe Rabbeinu takes the <coughs> Hashem, appoints him as the person to relate the word of Hashem, Torah, to the people. And then Moshe Rabbeinu, after, before he dies, he appoints Yeshua to be the next one to give this over. And <clears throat> the unbroken chain of people who have been in, in, their hands have been laid upon their heads from the previous generation to say that they are an unbroken link in the chain of giving over this Torah. Now, those are individuals, <clears throat> Tzedukim did not have that. Okay? Tzedukim were very powerful in the Second Temple period. They did not believe in Torah Shabbat Peh. The oral Torah, they don't believe in the written Torah. So we would have these two Tamilim who were students of Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, and we did not allow Tzedukim. And Moshe Loy called Shiva Kadeh They would give him the entire seven days. They would teach him the service that he's going to be doing on Yom Kippur. We can Amru from here. We say Shiva Siyavim Kadeh Yom Kippurim Afrishin Kain Gadol Mibeisel Lishkas Parhajim. Here we see that seven days before Yom Kippur should separate the Kain Gadol from his house to put him into Lishkas Parhajim, special Parhajim room. The same way we separate the Kayin Gadol for him Kippur seven days, so too we separate the Kayin who has been set aside to burn the Paraduma. We set it, we separate him seven days as well. And both this Kayin Gadol and the regular Kayin is going to burn. We sprinkle on them from the ashes all seven days in Paymar. And if one might ask, the Maluim Dam, when the case of the inauguration, it was dam that was sprinkled, blood that was sprinkled. Hachamayim over here, it's water. Amrit nichnasumayim achas dam. We say that water comes in place of the blood. And it also says, Kasher asa azeh. It says, as it was done on this day, Tziva Hashem la'aseis v'chapra aleichem. Hashem also commanded to do, to atone for you. La'aseis to do, elu ma'isapara. The same way the Meluim did its job, so too, the Maisapara is going to need the same pictures, the same details. The Chaper, to atone for, Elu Maisa Yemekipurim. This is going to teach you that Yemekipurim are similar. So, what's the gist of this Brisa? Very clearly, this Brisa, a Taneic ruling, is supporting the opinion of Rabbi Yechanan, the Amira, who said that the source for the separation 
is derived from Eluim. This price in every single way is just keeps on emphasizing that point. It's all derived from Eluim. You have to ask, well, if it's derived from Eluim, why is it different this? Why is it? But everything is Rabbi Yechonah's position. The source for the initial law that we learned in Aramisachta, separate seven days, is indeed from the Eluim. Right? And the Gemara tells us two things, though, right? The Gemara tells us also, the Eimer, and also. Now, typically when the Gemara says the Eimer, and also, it's doing that because there is another another point that it's coming to address, okay? So the Gemara is going to analyze soon what exactly is that second point coming to address. But when the Gemara brings this idea, what it brings is, it says, based on a drasha of the Pasuk, based on a way to understand the Pasuk, it's also coming to teach you about the separation of seven days before it's ever. You are now asked, This word of with this Aaron will go in, right? Which, which we then derive to say, with this means, with all the matters of the Meluim, you will go in. We actually needed to write Bezais anyways. Why? To teach you that you go in with a one-year-old bull for a Chathos offering. The Ayala And a ram for a burnt offering. So Bezais is not extra to tell you that these laws also apply elsewhere. Amri, if the Zeus was only coming to teach you that the carbonus that he goes in with, Lema Pasik should not say Bezeus with this, he should just say Bezeh with this, which is a shorter way to say it. Or with these. My Bezeus. Bezeus is a more long winded way of speaking. The Torah is never long winded unless it's necessary. We're able to see two different ideas. We're trying to convey the message that A, you go in at the bull and the ram, and B, you also go, you also have to do something similar on other occasions. My Vaimer, why does the Bryson need to support itself with that second idea of the Aimer and also the second idea? Maybe only that very first Yom Kippur required to be separated seven days. The same way that Aaron required to be separated for seven days before the Maluim, maybe also required to be separated for seven days in that very first Yom Kippur in the desert. Maybe every other Yom Kippur after that, you do not need to be separated for seven days. Inami, or perhaps the other reason why you needed a Pasik, the second Pasik that we brought. Perhaps only the very first Kayangadal required Prisha in general, right? Required to be separated in general. But not every other Kayangadal. That's why we said Kasher Asa, as has been done on this day, so shall be done on other days. We learned in a Brisa like Rishlakish. Mesha Allah Ba'anan. Mesha Bain goes up into a cloud. And he gets covered by a cloud. And he is made holy or sanctified by the cloud. That he can accept the Torah for B'nai Yisrael in a state of holiness. It says, And the presence of God rested on Har Sinai. This takes place after the Ten Commandments have been given. These are the first six of the 40 days. That's what it says. At the presence of Hashem rested before the Asaras Adibras, right? The Asaras Adibras are given on Shavuos, which is either Bab Sivan, right, or Zion Sivan. But Rish Chaydesh is six days before that, or seven days before that. So the question is when we talk about the, the, the honor of Hashem resting on Har Sinai, when did that happen? Did that happen after the Asaras Adibras or before the Asaras Adibras? Okay? So the first opinion is after the Asaras Adibras, second opinion is before the Asaras Adibras, okay? So, um, when we say the, the cloud covered it, we don't refer to Meshra Bain. We actually refer to the mountain. 
that the cloud covered the mountain. Okay, so if that would be so, so according to the first opinion of Yisai Glili, we talk about the cloud covering Moshe Rabbeinu before he goes to speak to Hashem. That is a great source for separation before going to God. But if we say that it's talking about the cloud covering the mountain, that has nothing to do with our conversation. And then Hashem calls out to Moshe. Moshe and all of B'nai Yisrael are standing in front of the mountain. So why did the Pasuk say that he spoke to Moshe? Because he was trying to give kavod, give honor to Moshe. Ram Nassim says, In a third opinion, okay? Nassim says, and Rashi explains that Nassim also holds like that this takes place before the Asar Sittibris. The six days time period was for Moshe Rabbeinu to stop eating for six days. There'd be no food and drink in his body at all. And therefore, when he goes up to Shemayim, after those 40 days, there will be nothing in his body. He will be like a Malachi Asharis. He'll be like the angels on high. The Shumuk Malachi Asharis, like the angels who serve Hashem, who don't have any food, right? It doesn't mean specifically food and drink. It means the, in a very elevated place where your, your physical body is no longer of importance at all. The reason why the Pasuk says that the, that, the, the, that the cloud covered, the Pasuk was trying to teach you to have a level of awe. That the Torah should be given to Bnei Yisrael and Meish Rabbeinu in a state of ema, in a state of fear and awe of Hashem. The rest says, while they are shaking you know, and trembling, it says, serve Hashem with fear, and don't just serve Hashem with fear, but also be gilu, be, be rejoiceful, right? Rejoice in the ra'ada, in your state of trembling. My gilu ra'ada, what does it mean to rejoice in trembling? In the place where you are rejoicing, right? While you're doing a mitzvah. There should also be trembling, right? It's a very important point, right? Uh, you know why we shuckle, right? You know, here's somebody davening, they shuckle back and forth. Rav Schwab says, Rav Schwab explains, the reason why we shuckle when we're davening is because we're getting close to Hashem, you lean forward, you get close to Hashem, and they're like, oh, it's too close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm afraid. And then you would lean back, right? That's the, the give and take between the joy of being in the presence of Hashem, the joy of doing a mitzvah that connects you to Hashem, but at the same time, the fear of getting too close and recognizing the, the holiness of Hashem, and that's, that's the proper attitude when doing a mitzvah. What exactly is Machlekes Rebbe and Rebbe Kiva? Rebbe Yisekli or Rebbe They are arguing about the Machlekes of other Tanaim. The Tanya we learned in Rebaisa. Mashisha Bechaydesh Nitna Yisrael Yisrael. On the sixth day of the month of Sivan, the Torah was given to Bnei Yisrael. We learned this in Shabbos and Daf Pechas. But I'm sure everybody remembered that. I did not even say which Daf it was. Rebbe Yisrael Rebbe Yisrael says. No, the Torah was not given on the sixth day of Sivan, rather it was given on the seventh day of Sivan. Manda Amar B'Shisha, the one who says the Torah was given on the sixth day of Sivan, B'Shisha Nitna, was given on the sixth day. Ubeshiva Allah, on the seventh day, Meshav went up on Har Sinai. It says that Hashem spoke to Meshav on the seventh day. Well, if the Torah was given on the sixth day, then Meshav could have gone straight up on the seventh day. That's what it says, Hashem spoke to Meshav on the seventh day. Manda Amar B'Shiva, the one who says that the Torah was given on the seventh day of Sivan, B'shiva nitna, b'shiva Allah. On the seventh day, it was given. On the seventh day, he went up. It's written by Yikra El Meshavi Meshvi. He called out to Meshavi on seventh day. So basically, the Sabrelak Katanakama basically held like Katanakama. The Amar b'shisha b'chedesh nitna Tera. That on the sixth day of the month, Tera was given. Hilkach zehayamaisa achar seres tedibris. And therefore, when Meshavi went up onto the mountain, it must have happened after the Tera was given already. And therefore, by Yishkan kvayda Hashem al Sinai. 
the resting of Hashem on Har Sinai, when it says that the cloud covered for six days, it must be referring to Meshavinu. And then he spoke to Meshavinu on the seventh day, telling him, to come accept the rest of the Torah. Because at Har Sinai itself, before Meshavinu goes up into the Shemayim, what did what was given to us? The, the Aser Sedivus primarily, right? And nothing else. If you said that the glory of Hashem is already resting from Meshavinu and on, right? The first day of Sivan. And when we say that the cloud covered it, we must be referring to the mountain. And he called to Moshe on the seventh day to accept the Ten Commandments. What do you mean? They already got the Torah on the sixth day. And the cloud already left on the sixth day. On the seventh day of Sivan, the Torah was given to Bnei Yisrael. So we talk about the seventh day. The seventh day is referring to the seventh day from which the Torah, on, on which the seventh day of Siva, on which the Torah was given. So in the first six days, are the first six days of the month, and not the six days after, after that, when Meshav Benu prepared himself to go on high. According to Rekiva, it makes sense now that we make a calculation that on the 17th day of Tammuz, the first set of Luchas were broken. Esmer Arba de Sivan, 24 days of Sivan, from the seventh day of Sivan until the 30th. Beshitzar de Tamas, and then another 16 of Tamas. Molulu Arbayanyam and the Havi Bahar, that's 40 days that Meshavin was up on the mountain. But Beshitzar de Tamas, Nachas, and the 17th of Tamas, he comes down. And then he breaks the Luchas, right? The Mishnah in Tainus tells us the bad things that happened on the 17th day of Tamas. And one of those is that Meshavin broke the Luchas. It only works out if the Torah was given on the seventh day of Sivan. Right, then it'll be 40 days later. Right, the priest of our boy in the har, ad held like this after the Torah is given on the sixth day of Sipa. What happened next? Meshabenu goes up, right, on the seventh day. He then waits another six days before he's ready to go up to Shemayim for 40 days. So it will not be the 17th of Thomas, it'll be six days later, it'll be the 23rd of Thomas. I'm sorry, uh. Yeah, 23rd of Thomas, exactly. So why are we saying that the, the mission over there said it broke on the on the 17th of Thomas, not the 17th, really the 23rd? When we say the, the 40 days uh, he's up on the mountain, we actually included within that the six days when he separated before he went up to Shemar. One Amar said, Shem spoke to Mesha. And Moshe and all B'nai Yisrael were standing there. This supports the B'nai Yisrael. The B'nai Yisrael. The Yikra El Moshe and Hashem called out to Moshe. Moshe v'chol Yisrael emdin. V'loi v'akas v'elchalak le'kavad to Moshe. Moshe and all of B'nai Yisrael were standing. And the Pasuk only come to teach us to give honor to Moshe. Moshe, the Gemara asks a question. Kol uloi, kol eila, right? It says kol uloi. And the Moshe v'enu hears a voice speaking to him, right? And instead of saying, it, it, it doesn't say loi, it says a love. Moshe Beinu heard it, but the rest of Bnei Yisrael did not hear it. Like Kash, this is not a question. One time, right, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to hear Hashem's voice, and all of Bnei Yisrael heard Hashem's voice. And Mount Sinai, all of Bnei Yisrael are standing there, and all of a sudden they hear this incredibly powerful voice. They recognize that this is the voice of Hashem. And it says, Moshe Rabbeinu, not Rabbeinu, he's not the Rabbeinu of Hashem, right, which means our, our, our teacher. But he says, Moshe, come. And 
you give some honor by specifically uh, addressing him in front of Bnei Yisrael. From here on in, when Moshe Rabbeinu was addressed by Hashem, it was only Moshe Rabbeinu was addressed. Occasionally, I guess, Aaron also was addressed at the same time. And also one time, Miriam. Ibai is same, another answer. One of them is talking about the, the calling to Hashem. One of them is talking about the actual words that Hashem spoke to Moshe. Mizrika Rami Kray, the Rebbe Eliezer. Mizrika asked a question from different Sukkim in front of Rebbe Eliezer. But Amri La and some people say, Amri Mizrika Rebbe Eliezer Rami. I'm going to say Rebbe Zrika said that Rebbe Eliezer asked this question. See if it's written, that Moshe was not able to go into the El Mayad, the tent of meeting, because the cloud was resting here. It's also written by Yahweh Moshe Batechanan, and the Moshe went into the middle of the cloud. Malamich Tasra Kadish Baruch Hu Moshe teaches us that Kadish Baruch Hu takes hold of Moshe Rabbeinu, and brings him into the cloud. Very Rabbi Shmuel, very Rishmal in the Bismarck of Rabbi Shmuel, they thought. Nemar Khan Besech, it's written over here in the midst of, and Nemar Alam Besech, it's written over there in the midst of, right? And what's it coming to teach you? Um, one second. So it's coming to teach you that Yavoyu B'nei Yisrael Besech Hayam, B'nei Yisrael go into the middle of the sea, Kriyas Yamsuf, Malahal and Shvil, just like over there, it means a path, that's Siba, Mayam and Kaima, Afkan Shvil. So to over here, there was a path for Moshe Rabbeinu when he's going into the cloud where he knew exactly where he was going. The Yikra Moshe and Hashem calls out to Moshe, and he speaks to him. Why do we say first to call him before we speak out what he's going to say? Shouldn't just go over and start talking to someone without first calling their name. A proof to the opinion of Rabbi Hanina. The Amr of Hanina, Rabbi Hanina was wont to say, Unless you first call him and say, Hey, how are you? And then you start talking. Amar Rav, Amar Rabba, that somebody says something to someone else, you're not allowed to say it over to anyone. Well, he says to you, Go say it over to other people. And Hashem spoke to him from the tenth of meeting, Lamar, saying. So what we assume is that whenever Hashem says Lamar, that means he go teach us the Israel. So we see from here, the Gemara now says, we see from here that both Rabbi Yechon and Rish Lakish held, when it comes to the Maluim, the inauguration, anything that's written about it is absolutely essential. And if you leave it out, it's a uh, it's going to invalidate the process. It might so state. Maluim, when it comes to the Maluim, and one of them says everything written about it is absolutely essential. The Khadam, one of them says when it comes to the Maluim, the inauguration, anything that will have, um, you know, the ability that will invalidate it in the future generations will also invalidate the Maluim. Jane Makavadaris, it will not invalidate. When not done in the future generations, it will also not invalidate now. I'll bring you a proof that Rabbi is indeed the one who says that anything which is going to invalidate, anything which was written about the the uh, is absolutely essential. proof to that you are wrong, that it is not derived from Malum that you have to separate for seven days was precisely the fact that if it was learned out from Malum, then even the back of Kain should have to have separated for seven days. Why didn't Rabbi Yechonin respond? 
Okay, it's learned that from Malum. But who said that everything about Malum is absolutely essential? Maybe even if he doesn't separate, it's still okay. The fact that he didn't respond to that is because indeed he agrees it is essential. This time, bring you a proof. What's the difference between these two opinions? At the end of the day, aren't they both coming out the same halacha? The difference is, do we do the smicha? Do you put the hands on the head of the sacraments? According to the one who said that anything that is not ma'akib, that is not going to invalidate in future generations, but not invalidate in original generations, and even by the Maluim, if, if, the, if Aaron would not have placed his hands on the animals, it would not have been invalidation, not have been, you know, a, uh, a non-negotiable process. So if you held that, then so too, whenever you're preparing the kind God, well, he doesn't have to put his hands, he ha- should put his hands, and he doesn't have to. Well, the is but how do you know that for all future generations, it's not going to invalidate the Tanya, we learned in the And he should place his hand, and then it will be accepted for him to create a feeling of atonement for him. And is the placing of the hand is what's kaparis, what atones for you? In reality, what causes kapara? What causes atonement? The blood. It says in the Torah that the blood that is in the soul, when you sprinkle it on the Mizbeach, that itself is what's going to create atonement. So why does the Torah tell you that he sticks his hand on the head and then it, it creates a, uh, so it creates a happiness, so to speak, from Hashem? If he does the, if he did the the placing of the hands as a, as the leftovers of the mitzvah, the Torah looks at it as if he has not actually gone to a high level of kapara, and still it will actually achieve it. Says the waving of the the sacrifice is the difference between these two opinions. According to the one who says anything that is written by the Maluim is absolutely essential. Then if you do not do the tnufa, you do not do the waving of the different limbs, right? Then it's going to be ma'akiv. It will invalidate the process. According to the one who says that something which is not ma'akiv, which is not going to invalidate in general in the future, then it will not invalidate even by the Maluim, then not doing the waving will not invalidate. Well, Lederis, how do you know that Lederis, the things that you did not do, that if you did, that if you did not do this in future Deris, that it will not be Ma'akiv? Who told you that? The Tanya, we learned in a Raisa. The It says that it should be waved, right? The limbs should be waved. The Chaper to create a tone. And is it true that the Tanufa, the waving of the limbs, is going to create atonement? What creates atonement by the, by the carbon, right? If you learn nothing else tonight, if someone says to you, what part of the carbon creates atonement? Gemara uh, tells us when you sprinkle the blood, that creates the atonement. Shemar says, teach us that when you sprinkle the blood that is the that has the soul within it, so to speak, that is going to be mechaper. So why does it say that the tenufa needs to be waved lechaper to atone for him? That if he made the tenufa as a shirei mitzvah, as the leftovers of the mitzvah, the pasuk says that it's as if he has not achieved kapara, but at the end of the day, it does still achieve kapara. Papa, Amar Papa says, the difference is, do you need to be separated for seven days beforehand or not? According to the one that says that anything which is written about it is absolutely essential, 
mak, but then indeed, if you don't separate, you're going to be invalid to serve. According to one who says that something which is not going to invalidate in all future generations, it will not invalidate now either. But then if you don't separate, it's still not going to be mak. It will not render it invalid. But indeed, how do you know that for all future generations, it's not going to render invalid if you don't separate for seven days? And the fact that it says maskinan, you prepare, if it would have meant you have to do this, it's absolutely essential. It wouldn't have just said in this more lighter way of saying you prepare. It would have said, you separate him, right? In a way to express the absolute essentialness of this. Ravina says the Riboy Shiva and the Mashikha Shiva is the difference between these opinions, right? So what does this mean? The Riboy is that they would have more, more, um, more clothing for those seven days, right? They would have, uh, the Kayan Gadol would wear more clothing for those seven days as opposed to the four that he would wear regularly. And also of the Mashikha Shiva that the that they would do the anointing on those seven days. That's the Mahalikas. According to one who says that anything which is written about the Maluim is going to be absolutely essential, then it'll be Ma'akiv, Ma'akva, then it'll be Ma'akiv if you don't do this properly, if you don't do the uh, the extra garments on the first seven days, and if you don't have the anointing. According to one who says that anything which is not absolutely essential in the future will not be essential now either. And how do you know that it's not absolutely essential in the future to do the eight, eight, eight garments when he's going through the practice seven days? And that you, and if you don't do the Mashiach, if you don't do the sprinkling on him, you know, with the oil, the anointing on him with the oil, it says, it says, and the Kayin who is been anointed, he will be Mechaper for you, he will achieve atonement for you. And the one who, the one whose hand was full, right, will be, the one whose hand was full will be, I'm sorry, I lost the place. He will be the one who will be set up to be the Kayan in place of his father. What's the Pasuk coming to teach us? Because it is written, Seven days the Kayan who is the the um, the the Kayin, which should be in place of his son, right? That would know over here that only a Kayin who that would think that as long as you put on the eight garments for the seven days, you're good. And if you've been anointed for the seven days, then that's enough. Let's say he had only put on the the all the garments, the full eight garments for seven days, but he only did the anointing for one day. This rabbi Yemachar, he put on the eight garments for one day, shiva, and then he got anointed for seven days. How do you know that that's also going to be okay to now serve in place of his father? Tamalemer, Pasi teaches us, the one who was anointed, and who filled his hand. As long as there was any consecration process of putting on the eight, as long as there was any anointing process, even if it's only one day, that's already sufficient. So we see that ideally, when you want to anoint, you want to appoint someone to be the next king gadol, you should wear all eight garments for the seven days. And how do you know that ideally there should be anointment done on all those seven days? One answer would be, from the fact that the Pasik was necessary to exclude it, that that tells you that ideally it should have been done. If, the pasik, if it wasn't ideal, if it wasn't the ideal circumstance would not be to do it all seven, you don't need a Pasik to teach you that you don't need to do it, on, that you don't I absolutely need to do it. 
The base same another answer. And the holy garments that were set aside for Aaron, they should be for their sons after him, to be anointed in them. And to, and to be consecrated and to fill their hands with them. We see that the, there's a comparison to be drawn between anointing and the eight garments. Just like the, the eight garments is for seven days, so the anointing should be done for seven days. What's the reason for the person who says that anything which is left, which has been written, needs to be done? If it's omitted, it will absolutely destroy and invalidate the process. And so should you do to Aaron and his sons. When it says that it should be done like this, it's teaching you that if you do not do it, it will be invalid. This makes sense. Call Milsa, anything about which it's written, call Milsa the Chsiva anything which is written in this idea of Kacha, where it discusses what exactly needs to be done. The Aaron needs to put, the needs to put on the, the special garments. Milsa the Chsiva, how do I know that the things that were not written in the part of the Torah when it says kacha, which is in Shemais, that that's also absolutely essential when we talk about the Maluim in Parshas Shmini, right? In last week's Parsha. You learn out from the fact that it says Pesach, Pesach in both places, telling you that you need to compare the laws in Shemais to the laws in Vayikra. And when it says kacha in, Vay- in Shemais, it means to include also the similar laws in Vayikra. It says, and you shall watch the Mishmaris of Hashem, the commandments that Hashem has given us, that teaches you that it's absolutely essential. When it says, so I have been commanded, that also indicates that they are essential. So I have been commanded. It also says, as I commanded, and also says, as Hashem has commanded. As I have commanded, is referring to the fact that you eat it when you're even in a state of aninus, in a state of, um, of uh, you know, where someone has just died. As I have commanded, you said this at the time of the death of Nadav and Abiyu. As Hashem has commanded, I'm not talking about this from my own authority, right? It's not, I'm not the one telling you this. Hashem commanded me to say this. says, Right? It doesn't say anything about wearing pants in the in the parsha of the Maluim, in the consecration of the Kayanim. When it says, This is the thing you should do for them to sanctify them to serve. This also includes the pants and the tent of an Epa that the Kayanim were obligated to bring up on the day when they were inaugurated, as we learned right at the end of Shalom. Right? So, we understand that pants are included in, in the, what we're talking about, the, the garments, right? How do you know that the tent of an ephah also is included? So we have we have ze in one place, and we have ze in another place. What is it? And the fact that it says ze, which is referring to the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer, to Hashem, which is a tenth of an apa. And over there, both places says that. How do you know that even the very reading of the sukkim that has to be read on the maluim, right? Sukkim of the maluim that needs to be read are actually absolutely essential. 
It says, Tamalimar, it says in the Pasif, Bayemar Meshala Eda, Meshmainu says to the congregation, This is the matter which Hashem has commanded us. Even the words are going to be to be ma'akib. What are the words? The words are referring to the reading that we're supposed to be making. How do we get him? How do we get him dressed, right? What do you mean? Whatever you did, you did, right? What difference does it make what order he put the garments on? It already happened. It's not going to happen again. When we talk about the we talk about the um, the maluim, it's not going to happen again. That was only that first time with Aaron. How are they going to put on the garments soon? have a base of Mikdash again. How do we in, get the Kayin Gadol ready to serve by putting on the garments? <laughs> you have a question? You're worried about it? Let me get let you guys in on a secret. You will not be making the decisions, Lasud Lave. Moshe Rabbeinu will be there. Aaron will be there. His sons will be there. And they will say, this is how you're supposed to do it. So this becomes a completely academic conversation. The does not have academic conversations. So rather what it means is, what order are you going to put it on to help us understand what the Pesukim are saying? The sons of Aaron One of them said that first you put it on Aaron, then afterwards you put it on his sons. Aaron one of them says you put on Aaron and sons at the same time. says, when it comes to the Ksainas and Mitznefes, right? The Ksainas, the um the the tunic and the the Mitznefes and the 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 belt, they, everybody agrees that Aaron came first and then afterwards his sons. Whether it is in the command or whether it is in the actual uh, putting it on, Aaron was comes first. When, where do they argue about the belt, right? Not the hat. The one who says that first it was Aaron, then afterwards the sons, that they, they put it on with a belt. They put him on a belt. And then afterwards it says, and then he put the belt on them. Someone says that no, they did it at the same time. It says they and then he put on them, and it sounds like they all happened at the same time. According to one who says that Aaron and his sons happened at one time, what do you do with the fact that it also says that he put the belt around him, singular? Right. So what's going on over here? Right. There's something strange that's happening over here. At one point it says that. According to the one who says that the first they put on Aaron, it does say the Chagarta Isam, all of them. According to the one who says that first they put they put it on at the same time, it does say, and they put the belt on him. So what do we do? Turn the page. he'll tell you. The Abnate of the Kayan Gadol is not made out of the same thing that the Kayan had it's the Kayan, the regular Kayan's belt was not made out of the same thing that the regular the Kayan Gadol's belt was made out of. And that's what we're trying to teach you by setting, saying it separately. But indeed, they put them all on at the same time. According to the one who says that Aaron was first put on the garments and then afterwards the sons. But it says, and they put on the belt at the same time. He would say to you, this is actually coming to teach you that it actually is the same thing as the Kain Gadol. And that's why we said you put it on them. Not that it happened chronologically at the same time, you put the same belt on them. So that's what it says, when he tied around them. The belt of the kain of the main kain of the kain gadol, the high priest, was also the same as the regular priest. So why does it need to say both that he put it on him and he put it on them? 
Shmamino Aaron Vachach Bonam. This teaches you that first Aaron put it on, then afterwards the sons put it on. Is it possible to do it at the same time? Right? It's not really possible to do it exactly at the same time. So indeed, it must be that they, they did it first with one and then with the other. Continues the Gemara. Right? Analyzing the Mishnah. We separate the Kain Gadol. Lama Mafrishin. Gemara asks, why do you separate him? Now, the obvious answer is, we just spent the last four blocks talking about why you separate him. Now you're asking why you separate him? Like we answered, either his understanding that it's based on the inauguration process. We learned from there that the Kain Gadol needs to be separated before he can And Rish Lakish has his understanding that we learn from Har Sinai, the same way Meshul was surrounded in the cloud and separated, so too we need to separate the Kain Gadol for Yom Kippur. What do you mean? The base Salam of Pirish, the Gemara is asking like this. Indeed, it is true that he has to be separated to some extent from the rest of the people. But why does he have to be separated from his wife? Maybe he can come together with his wife to the base of Tanya, we learned in Rice. Maybe it will end up happening that he'll accidentally will sleep with his wife without realizing that she's in a status of possibly a Nida. And it will end up happening is that he'll, he won't be able to serve in the base of Mikdash. Who knows his wife is in a state of possible doubtful impurity and he's going to sleep with her? No, perhaps not that he knows beforehand that she's a Safiqida. If he knew, of course he wouldn't do that. But he might sleep with her and then afterwards find out that she was in a state of possible nudus. said in front of who says, who holds that the Nida, a woman who is a Nida, will render her husband ritually impure as well. Um, um, because if you were going like the Chachamim, they said, the Nida does not make the person who she sleeps with also Tame. Even if you say the Chachamim will say that she does not make the person sleep with her impure, Come only argued by Rabbi Kiva. Ella ba'acher only by a different person. Acher acher, avol bechad, bechad acher, but with one not not a different person. Ba'acher acher, where they find out that she's a nida a little bit of time after they had been together. Or if they find out right away, then maydule. Then even even the, the chachamim would agree that she makes him tamei. Amar of Zera Zera says Shnami na bayel nida einek nida einek nida v'tevabliy. We see from here that if someone is sleeping with a woman who is a nida. He is not mamash and nida, and he can go to the mikvah on that day. E because if you would say bail nida kanita, that if someone sleeps with a nida, they, they really fall into exactly the same category as being in nida completely, right? Then emas tavo, when is she supposed to go to the mikvah? Belele at night. Lemacher hechi avad avayda. How can he go to the? If he goes to the mikvah that night, then the next morning he's not going to be able to do the avayda. It has to be that he goes to the mikvah and then needs nightfall before he can do the service. So if he went to the mikvah on the night of the Yom Kippur, he's not going to, be able to do the service the next morning. He needs to wait until Matzim Kippur to do the service. Rather, we see from here, someone sleeps with a nida, right? Their status is not exactly the same as a nida. Because if it was, then it would not be helpful to say, well, he, he would become tahar right away by going to the mikvah. He wouldn't go become tahar. He would have to wait until the next night. Rav Simi, from Naharda Amar, he says, Rav Simi, from Naharda Amar, 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 Rav Simi, from Naharda Amar,
Even if we say a bail nida can nida, that someone sleeps with a nida, they take on the same ritual impurity as a nida herself. They separate him at least one hour before before the sunset. Since they separate him one hour before the sunset, then it's not going to be an issue. Because even if he became Tame, he would still have enough time to go to the Mecca and become Tahar. Mesve, the Gemara asks a question. Typically, when someone needs to go to the mikvah, they need to go to the mikvah during the day. However, a nida, someone who is becoming pure after having menstruated, or a yeleda, someone who is becoming pure after having given birth to a child, they need to go to the mikvah at night. Nida in bayal nida light. It's true that a regular nida needs to go to the mikvah at night, but someone who became a tame because they slept with the nida, they do not need to go to the mikvah at night. They go to the mikvah even during the day. Nida the asi. And nida and anything which comes from me ribuye for anything um sorry uh nida violated bail nida loy nida vachalda asi me ribuye mesve the mara asks a question balkari kemaga sharet if the Allah is like this if someone is a balkari they have had a seminal emission they are tame like someone who has touched a dead creepy crawly thing bail nida if someone has slept with a woman who is menstruating the tame mace is like someone who has become tame from touching a dead body. My love is it not coming to teach you the about the the purification, the, the immersion that the immersion has to be at night. Rather, it's coming to teach you the in terms of the impurity. Tumasan What do you mean? It's coming to teach you about the level of impurity? That's written explicitly about it. It's written explicitly that if someone sleeps in the Nida and if someone is a Nida, that they are impure for seven days. So what do you mean that it's not coming to teach you that this person is going to in terms of the tomo, that's explicit. You don't need a, a pasik to hint to it. It's explicit. Rather, it's going to teach you about the immersion. The Gemara says, it's not true. Really, it's referring to in terms of what their tomo consists of. Save it and it's needed to teach you the end and uh, the end the end of this halakha. That a someone who has had relations with the nida is more stringent than someone who became tame through touching a dead body. Because he makes impure the uh, the regular, the, what we call the tumma of mishka, the tumma of a bed, and the tumma of a mishka, of a seat, with what we call a tumma kala, a lesser type of impurity. To render impure all types of foods and drinks. A person who is a zav, which is a man who had a certain type of seminal mission, an illness. Bazava, a woman who has a different type of seminal emission, but also renders her ritually impure. Amatsera, someone who is a leper. Amatsera, someone who is a female leper. Ubayal Nida, and someone who has slept with a woman who is menstruating. The Tame Maser, someone who becomes Tame through a dead body. The time for them to go to the mikvah is during the day. Someone is a Nida himself. Someone is a woman who has given birth self. They go to the mikvah at night. You have to indeed this this proves it. And indeed, we see that the Kayangadal, you should not have to be concerned because you still be able to go to the mikvah during the day, and then immediately upon nightfall on Arab Pesach, he will be able to serve. Take care, everyone. Have a great Shabbos. It's good to be back with everyone. Bye-bye.